Welcome to Crypto and Grill. back everyone let's crypto and grill it's crypto dantes here and i'm with stig of the pump stig say hello to everyone hello it is a sunny day in paradise he says from his basement flat where he can't see any sun it's the best place for you best place for you underground locked away where nobody can see you stig um sadly i've got a sadly you're on a webcam but um but yeah stay in stay in your little dungeon for now um i got up on today I'm going to introduce them. Uh, we have some fantastic guests with us today. Really, really super excited about this. This is a, for us, uh, great to have them on because it is a homegrown company, which we love. So from the UK itself, uh, I want to welcome the guys from London Block Exchange. So Jacob, Alex, please say hello, introduce yourselves and maybe give us a two second intro on who you are personally. Yeah. So hi there. This is Jacob, head of marketing at the London Block Exchange. Um, basically, what I did is straight after university, I worked in a private equity firm, got bored of this kind of lifestyle, you know, did a little bit of consulting for Hiscox Insurance. And then I said, you know, the one thing that I always like doing is trading crypto, you know, as all of us do, had to learn the hard way. I had no trading experience, but I really loved the content side of things, the marketing, talking to the people. And then eventually I found Jono, our COO, and got employed and never looked back ever since. So that's me in a nutshell. Excellent. Nice. You look like you're just out of university. Fresh-faced. <laughs> Fresh-faced. <laughs> and how about you, Alex? Uh, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm head of operations at LVX. Uh, I, I did law at university and then decided that law probably wasn't really for me. Uh, so I went down the financial services route. Uh, as exciting as that build is, I really wanted to get involved in crypto, and so I became one of the OGs of LBX. Here I am. <laughs> LBX nice. OG, I love it. I love it. And when did you, right. so when did you guys start LBX? So it, it's been quite an, like an accelerated journey. Uh, I mean, we've been around for a year, uh, and before that, it had been around for a couple of months uh, as an idea. Uh, it stemmed from our CEO coming up with the idea of buying crypto for friends and family. And has evolved since then, allowing people to have that kind of ease of access and like a friendly exchange people can trust. Um, but yeah, I, I joined last December, and obviously I'll probably went live earlier this year. Okay. Nice. Should we, uh, so, uh, could you actually tell us a little bit about it and what it is? Because lots of people will just be thinking London Block Exchange, London Stock Exchange, just to play on words. I love, I love that though. I see, and I see what you've done there. It's great. It's really. You know, it took me a while to get it. It really did take me a while to get it. But then suddenly, I was there. Well, just like you guys in crypto and grill, it's kind of a play, <laughs> play on words, isn't it? So, what? What do you mean? We're not ripping off Netflix and chill. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is Touché. totally original. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, in a, 
Um, just in summary, the London Block Exchange is a cryptocurrency exchange. We're based here in London. We started with an iOS and an Android app. And oh, actually, before that, we ran an OTC desk and kind of tested the waters there. Then as the app was being built and just right, right after I joined um, roughly in January, we, we released our iOS and Android apps. So that went live. Um, we've run a daily market report that has about 20,000 subscribers daily. So we kind of keep everyone up to date with education, do you like YouTube videos and all sorts of other things. But more recently, because as you all may know, kind of the bear market has has struck upon us. So we've had, kind of had to re-strategize and kind of welcome more um, financial-based products. So alongside our OTC, we've just introduced our LVX Pay, which is a crypto-friendly uh, business payment account. We have an LVX Peg, which I'm sure Alex is, is more likely to tell you about that one. And we've fully launched our pre-sale actually now, so we've kind of hit all of the collaterals. So, um, so how would you um, describe yourselves in terms of? Um, are you, would you, would you categorise yourselves as an exchange, as a wallet, or as a as a kind of hybrid of the two? Um, what, what are the key things that uh, people need to have in their minds? Because in previous episodes, we've talked right at the beginning of this series about buying Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and sending it to the likes of, of Binance. And I think we actually referenced yourselves uh, on that. Um, um, what, how would you how do you fit into the ecosystem? Are you Binance? Can we trade and, uh, and, and you know, use systems like like Binance or is it just buying and, and, and storing more like Coinbase perhaps? Um, well, it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, I think our unique selling point is more a fiat on-off ramp. So in, in your words, it'd be closer to what Coinbase does than Binance. But however, we are building an advanced trading exchange as we speak, which will be launched very soon. However, our unique selling point is being able to be, you know, the first kind of FCA regulated um, entity here in the UK, we offer onshore banking and have about 12 cryptocurrency pairs paired to Bitcoin and or Ethereum and GBP. And so uh, just to break that down a bit from an exchange perspective being here in the UK, because I think we're going to try and focus this episode a little bit on what is happening in the UK. Uh, why is the FCA regulation important? Why is onshoring important versus offshoring? Let's maybe just dig in a little one level deeper into the detail. Uh, well, as we know, like financial institutions here have to be regulated by the FCA and crypto isn't a regulated instrument. Like no one really wants to get involved in the regulation side of crypto. Uh, we're trying to do things by the book in anticipation of these changes. And we hope that uh, our practices will be applied in the future and be used by the FCA in their framework. Uh, we actually do talk to uh, the APPG quite frequently about uh, blockchain integration and cryptocurrency regulation. And we hope that our practices, like as we're so focused on security and like consumer friendliness, that that'll be reflected in the future in uh, FCA's expansion. So, um, so one of the things you mentioned um, just a little bit ago was on top of this was the fact that you wanted it to be a fiat on ramp. And by that, I think what you're what you're saying is actually you want to help grow the ecosystem by helping the accessibility of people um, in the UK or globally uh, in terms of buying their ability to buy cryptocurrencies because it's it's there are some uh, on ramps out there there's you know you've got 
the Coinbase, um, Sapo, um, there's plenty of others. Um, how have you guys got, got through those regulations and those uh, challenges? Because I think it was, uh, it was only this year that banks started prohibiting um, credit cards. I think it was a couple of banks in the UK have stopped um, consumers and users from using their own bank accounts um, to buy cryptocurrency. So is there any um, barriers that you've had to smash through there or, or regulatory work that you've had to overcome to, to, to grow the space and uh, get your proposition live? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as, as you were saying about banks, uh, we don't accept credit cards and I don't think we ever will just, just to put that in there because mm-hmm. they're never going to play friendly with crypto because they're scared of people backing up too much debt and then not being able to pay off their own bills. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we will support debit cards in the future, but, but for now it's just, it's just bank transfers. And the reason for that is because we have a unique position in cryptocurrency where we have a banking partnership with an actual UK bank who we can't name, (laughs) but due to their connections and the fact that they have a banking license in the UK, it allows other banks to trust them within the network. And so that's why we have access to the faster payment system. And that's why we'll never have deposits or withdrawals blocked or rejected from people's bank accounts. Okay. And what kind of um, timeframes, because uh, yeah, I've, I've used um, Zappo before um, to, to get on, um, put some, some money in, and I think it's kind of 24 to 48 hours worth of uh, time to check, go through relevant checks to get that money into Zappo, and then it's, you move it out of there into Binance or wherever. Um, and then reverse, getting it back. So if you wanted to sell some cryptocurrencies, um, what, what kind of timeframes do, um, do you operate on uh, in terms of getting that uh, Bitcoin? or crypto sold and the cash back into your bank account i'm going to let you guys answer that but you can tell someone doesn't use your product can't you (laughs) just to call that out just to call that out you should do better edmund you should do better (laughs) i might as well say that it's as easy as lbx.com slash register <laughs> hey, 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 we don't do shills here. Yeah, Showing do your reflinks, reflinks for your own company. That is I'll, send you, I'll send you my bank details. Just like, <laughs> send me some cash. Um, I'll, I'll turn around time for uh, fiat deposits. Now, right now, they're quite manual because we have to do everything very carefully. We're, we're really careful. We're very aware that we're going to be audited at any moment, or we could be. Uh, so we have to make sure that everything's perfect. We cross the T's and dot the I's. Uh, and so for that reason, they may take longer than two hours to deposit to your account, but all deposits and withdrawals happen the same day, as long as they're made within regular banking hours. Okay. And trading is very simple via the app. It, it should only take a couple of seconds once you have the funds. Okay. My, uh, my, first, my first deposit went through in a couple of hours. Okay. And then selling and coming the other way. So if you want to sell Bitcoin and uh, that kind of stuff, how does um, someone do that using your system, your app or, or the website? It's, it's just the same way via the app. It's just the reverse of the trade, and then you withdraw the cash directly to your bank account. Again, the turnaround time is normally same day. Uh, we aim for two hours. Okay. And, that, and that's such a massive that's such a massive thing for people here in the UK. I know it's uh, your 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 competitors are starting to get better at uh, having GBP as like an easy payment in and out. So I know Coinbase now does it to reference the big one, but. I remember when you guys were starting out, there were very few people that you could get GBP into crypto really easily. And that ability that you guys had to do that was kind of, for me, one of the things that really put you on the radar was that that specific problem that you highlighted and the ease that you de- then delivered that. 
what are what are some of the major challenges that you guys have had then with LBX and getting LBX off the ground? Um, because I know it's not an easy space to be in. So, what are the what are the challenges? Um, I think from from more of a, a crypto standpoint, on an educational front, if we put the business aside a little bit, as you know, we kind of went through the December bull run. We had all these forecasts. We had people buying crypto left, right, and center. So there was optimism in the air. So, I mean, personally for me, more from a marketing slash educational standpoint, we find it very hard to, you know, as people start kind of experiencing the perks, if you like, of a bear market, it's really hard to convince people that actually this this new asset class has real value, that you know, it's not a quick flip and it's not just a thing that's going to make you money. It's it's actually a, a technological revolution, if you like. So we're in this space, just like the internet was in the 90s, we're kind of shifting a, a paradigm. So we found it very hard to educate people, not only how to buy and sell crypto, but to be able to feel confident enough to take these actions. Yeah. And it's so so interesting what you said there about um, shifting paradigms and and you know the the world changing because I do think we're going to look back at the time and um, that we've uh, we're going through right now and and just wonder exactly what everybody else was doing when they weren't paying attention to this and 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 I think we're going to laugh at some of the media reports as well because um, you know there was a story this morning in the paper or uh, that I, I read online on my way into work and it was um, I think it said cryptocurrencies have been uh, have dropped uh, 12 billion dollars recently uh, in value is now the time to get out and it just goes on to sort of talk about all these other things and you've got other um, what really bothers me uh, about the space is that you have people that are perversely incentivized to speak out in negative way about cryptocurrencies and blockchain and distribution ledger technology without really giving all the facts and you know when you know the other side of it you can see what they're doing is just um misguiding people because they have a platform so i you know i saw an interview with bill harris who's the ex um paypal chief executive um he gave no um no detail and no background and no um uh, actual depth to why he said uh, that cryptos um, had no value and there was uh, you know we already had digital money via paypal and via us dollar being uh, effectively 90 percent digitized um but he just he came out with a lot of disparaging comments against crypto without qualifying them um, and um, and there's another chap as well yesterday at the Senate committee Noriel Rabini uh, economist again who came out with all kinds of comments against the space and I just think these people are, are, are really not going to these comments are not going to stand the test of time um, so it's, it's interesting to hear that you guys are facing that at the front line as part of your uh, your operation your business do you have a question in that like five minutes no, I'm just rant that you just went on. What sometimes what I like to do is drop knowledge um, and wisdom, uh, just just like to educate. You to, it's like you need to validate your existence. It's <laughs> it's wonderful. I love it. I'm, but the thing is, I know it makes you feel so good. I just love that. <laughs> hey, but let's let's put it to our guests. Am I wrong, guys? <laughs> I'll leave that one up to you guys. <laughs> that thing. Said, you know, like if you look at the space as a whole, right? When when we had the internet when it first came out, it was always the kind of more tech savvy people that had access to it first, but they weren't necessarily the best people. Like they could have been hackers, criminals, this and that. But you know, 
who would have thought that the internet of the 90s would have spawned into your Airbnbs, your Snapchats, your Facebooks, your Instagrams of today? Yep. So like your crypto. You know, if you look at crypto now, we've kind of taken the history of money and gone from barter to gold to fiat to credit cards to digital money. We're, we're on this mission to try and convince people that took 150 years to say, okay, we've gone from gold to paper money and now this is a plastic card to hold on a minute. We've now got a digital currency that you can buy instantly. And if, if I can do it, your grandma can do it, you can do it. And it's so hard because a lot of people associated Bitcoin as this kind of, you know, the, the internet of money that was associated to criminals and so on. So it had this kind of bad look. And then here we are today where there's schools, there's modules, there's academia being built on this. And finally, we're experiencing maturity. And that criminal point is really interesting because I was having this conversation with someone the other day, which was all emergent technology by their nature, are the first adopters are always criminals because they are the ones who have to change and adapt accordingly in order to stay ahead of the times. So it's, it's irrelevant of whether it was crypto or anything else beforehand. It's always the same. Um, and the future of this space is massively, massively going to change. We're looking at everything that's gone on in the last week. Like you talk about 12 billion being written off the crypto market like we saw 210 billion wiped off the u.s stock market and it the the recession that is coming down the line which everyone talks about and everyone knows is eking its way in and will continue to what, uh, the question that i have to that point then is what do you guys foresee as kind of the future of crypto and the future specifically i think let's try and bring it back to what we're doing in the uk and leaving the eu uh what do you think the future of crypto is to the uk as well I think the future of crypto is very bright for the UK and, and the world as, as well. Um, building on from the point you were saying about how uh, prominent figures in the media may be spreading fear, uncertainty and doubt, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that um, a lot of the platforms that people see, so for example, Philip Hammond talking about blockchain technology, these are people who don't really understand it and then they don't understand its applications. So then when they just use it as a buzzword, people will tear them apart and it just gives people the justification for saying that blockchain is used this because it can't be used for this one purpose. Uh, so blockchain is not going to solve the Irish border problem. <laughs> but it can solve so many other problems in our lives and make everything so much easier. And it's something that people won't realize until, like you said, it's too late for them to get involved themselves. They, they won't be early adopters. They, they're not necessarily criminals, but mm. they will be. I, yeah. And that and that point around adoption in all of our lives, the one thing that it massively does, ignoring crypto, the one thing that technology massively does is it creates transparency. And a lot of the issues and challenges that we see today across the world, whether it's with governments, banks, everything else, is because of that lack of transparency. So by its nature, the blockchain fixes a lot of the issues and uh, irks that people have with existing authorities. And the lack of trust in those existing authorities. Yeah. Word. I agree. Um, I had a <laughs> I had a technical question for you guys as well. Um, we we see a lot of um, a lot of hype and press um, around Coinbase and Binance listing coins. And you know, for the traders out there, um, you see huge price movements in um, in those coins when it happens. Um, 
from your guys' perspective, is there um, what's the kind of framework or decision path for listing different coins on on the platform? Um, and you know, is there any any logic or rationale there? Do you investigate the um, the, the projects themselves, and you put the, mo the most effective ones or the ones that you really believe are going to change the space, or is there um, another thing that drives it? Perhaps market popularity. Um, how does it work? So we have a very strict coin governance procedure. So we've got an internal committee because all of us are committed to cryptocurrency and we all have different levels of understanding and technology and the projects themselves. Um, but when anyone approaches us or we consider listing a project, we look at um, not only the technology behind the, system, uh, the project itself, so that could be the architecture, the blockchain it's built on, or uh, the feasible future of it, but also the team itself, what the project aims to do, uh, how they've raised their funds, how much they raise in their fund, uh, funding rounds, uh, their ICOs. Uh, there are a lot of moving parts to these analysis and um, yeah it comes down to everything really so even if a project seems really solid technical wise and has a future use case if we don't trust the team we're not going to list them on our exchange okay okay good to know yeah, it's interesting because it, uh, there was a good podcast with um, I think Laura Shin and uh, and CZ from Binance uh, about a week or two ago, um, and yeah, anyone listening, I think that's a really good one to listen to. Um, when he discusses discusses their their sort of um, some of their listing um, rules and always seeks. Um, approval from them or at least a statement a legal statement that their coin isn't a security token because we don't know what impact that's going to have and and there aren't any regulations really defined about that in the space so um it's good to know that you guys are taking quite a similar strong uh, governance approach to it um i've what, got a question before you sure. jump in with your question because you've just mentioned something one of the things that i'm in really really interested in definitely from a personal perspective is what is your position what is potentially your position going to be going forward with regards to security tokens because you're the london block exchange so i'm assuming that's going to be uh great we're going to be all for them and we can't wait to have them essentially yeah we, we we're building a, an, another uh can we well, I mean, you, so don't don't tell us specifics. Just give us your give us your perspective if you don't want to give specifics about it, or you can break it live on the podcast. It's up to you. Well, what we can say, I think, comfortably, is that we have our white paper that was released about a month ago. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a few details that we've outlined that we can share publicly, and that is that LBX has kind of a great greater vision. So we're looking to have the mobile exchange have kind of the advanced trading platform that's being built as we speak, eventually kind of head towards a securities exchange as well as a decentralized exchange, which covers all fronts. Because we believe like we're at the point now in terms of adoption where the pirates are meeting the traditional institutions. So we've come midway. And if the future of crypto is going to grow, as, as harsh as it may sound to us kind of heavy cryptoed up guys where you want your privacy coins and you want your this and that, if you actually want it to grow, you have to go traditional. So security exchanges are the future because you're tokenizing real world assets. You're enabling someone like us as individuals that didn't have, you know, um, the financial expertise to invest in a security token before. Not a, a security, sorry. Yeah. To suddenly have the power to buy, you know, five hundred pounds worth of the Lord's cricket ground or whatever it may be. That's a random thing to choose. 
but I like it. It's a good example. Yeah, it fits nicely um, into, we spoke to Pomp um, a, a few episodes ago, and it fits nicely into his notion that he keeps uh, plugging away around um, tokenize the world. Um, and I think, you know, half of that is uh, in jest. It's, it, he doesn't actually mean it. But half of it, I think, is, is serious in the sense that this technology and the crypto space does give us for the first time an opportunity to digitize everything um, from a more traditional finance perspective and be more creative in what we tokenize, like you said. So, you know, why, why shouldn't people, uh, you know, if, if lords needed to raise some capital, they could uh, they could do that via blockchain and crypto and, you know, every everyone could own a portion of that. And um, I think it's a good concept. But, but also, so let's talk about actual sort of the markets and the markets around stock exchanges. IPOs prevalently are becoming harder and harder and more expensive to do and are actually driving less and less value for businesses. So businesses are trying to stay private for longer. How are investors in those private businesses going to get their their exit or their equity return without an event for maybe 10 years? And how are people going to get into those companies that want to invest in those companies? And the only way that I truly see that being able to happen is by tokenizing securities of private companies. However, legislation I'm not going to be able to say it, so I'm not going to try. You know what I mean. Uh, that's a real challenge because that goes against everything that's written currently in legislation. See, I got it there. Could you give us a little bit more around your ICO, what's happening with it, how's it going, uh, your stable coin, um, how the next six to 12 months are going to play out for you? And actually, just before you start, it'd be good to know what a stablecoin is, because uh, some people on the, on the podcast uh, may know what it is, uh, some may not, and it, what what purpose does it serve? So. Yeah, so, I mean, so a stablecoin is essentially just a coin that its price remains stable, it's in the name, uh, but the way its price remains stable could be through different avenues, so it's normally pegged to the value of something else. Uh, most famous stable coin around is Tether, which is pegged to a store of US dollars. But there are other forms of uh, stable coin that like collateralized cryptocurrency, like MakerDAO, or um, are just algo traded. Uh, so that you're constantly trading bots to maintain a value of the coin itself. Uh, essentially, they'll be they're seen as one of the best ways to adopt cryptocurrency, simply because you can use real money as cryptocurrency so we could have a digital pound or a digital dollar which people can use to send to each other and it's just a move away from physical cash just like we had earlier when we were talking about credit cards and then um with regards to your question about the white paper Mm -hmm. so alex myself benjamin our ceo and kind of a small team sat and went through a massive roller coaster to get this together so i think we're quite proud that it's out there now and what we did is we kind of analyzed from a macro approach kind of looked at the markets and said you know a traditional ico is a private sale or pre-sale you know all these kind of bounties and all sorts of things that don't really work if you're looking to build a 10-year business we have lbx we've built the app so we we have customers daily trading. So I think an ICO would be the wrong term to put into perspective. We kind of said we want to do a token sale where just like the question on the securities exchange is we're giving the ability for people to come and join us and obtain discounts on our tokenized revenue streams. So when we built the white paper, yes, we have the, the funding in mind, but however, we wanted to create like a tokenized ecosystem 
where every individual can come and experience the LBX journey. So what we've done is I mentioned earlier, we've got LBX Pay, our crypto payment account. We're introducing um, LBX Custody, LBX Peg, and then the app. So if you come in and you want to use GBP, then of course you're going to pay the price for your digital custody and so on, and your crypto payment account. However, if you buy the token and you use it within our ecosystem, you get a 50% discount. So as the token sale is running, you can either see it from the perspective of, yes, I'm using the utility of this coin, mm-hmm. or you can say that it's more of like a digital currency, if you like, that brings me a discount to these services. So why would I pay X amount when I can pay 50%, you know, get 50% discount? So what we've created essentially is this digital economy that didn't previously exist or existed in a much smaller scale with exchanges like Binance, where you'd get like, I don't know what the reduction is, but... It's 25% off your fees or something like that for if you if you pay for fees with Binance coin. Yeah, for trading only. Whereas yeah. for us, kind of bringing the institutional side of crypto and pairing it with the pirates, as I mentioned before. Okay. So, so that's that. Okay. And you mentioned, one of the things you mentioned there as you went along actually was custody. Um, can you just explain what you mean by custody and why it's important? Because uh, that's, I think that's something that I keep hearing about at the moment. It'd be good to know more. So a large part of cryptocurrency, is, as you know, is storing your cryptocurrency safely. And we all hear the nightmare stories of people being hacked, exchanges being hacked, people being held at gunpoint. It, it's all about keeping your, uh, your money safe. Like people wouldn't carry around £10,000 in their pocket. They'd like to keep it in a bank account because they trust the bank. Uh, we, need a, we need a thing for crypto that's similar, uh, not necessarily for everyone, because some people won't trust any central source, but especially institutions and, and, and large investors, they need someone who will look after their crypto for them, uh, someone who stores their private keys and someone who keeps them in like, a secure cold storage solution. And, and so we're exploring the development of uh, custody solution not only for traditional assets but also for cryptocurrency okay so nice. so so if i've got a wallet and i've got some um I, i've put some fiat um on onto your platform and i've put, used that to buy some bitcoin or one of the other coins and i keep them in in the wallet um on the lbx platform i can rest assured that you guys are actually um taking care of the the, the storage of those off the platform somewhere else um but there is still that risk of, of hacking the exchange hacking risk the honeypot risk that that's out there and um, but i guess that's just a risk that every uh, every player in this space faces and it's a challenge that just has to be combated regularly um and one question i did have actually how is is lbx global then i mean you're, you're uk based um and you, you sort of help gbp uh, as an on-ramp can can anybody buy um, through lbx or do you have to be a uk resident uk bank account so right now it's uk citizens only so uh we're, we're restricted only to the uk because we thought this was going to be our initial target market um but very soon we're going to be expanding into europe uh, we've already got a euro banking partnership uh, and once we've got uh, the EEA onboarding sourcing, we'll be able to offer our services all across Europe. And then uh, we plan on going even further. So potentially uh, the Middle East, Asia, Africa. Yeah. And what about, um, so what about, so if I was an Eskimo, where would I keep my Bitcoins? <laughs> in a cold wallet. <laughs> That's where I'd keep them, in a cold wallet. Ah, oh, good, good. 
So, uh, yeah, nice to know. You, that can tell he's a, you can tell he's a father of two, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I read an article this week that dad jokes are back. So, uh, so yeah, take that. Uh, you wrote that. You wrote that article. <laughs> um, so one of the other things that we, uh, myself and Stig, really enjoyed uh, when we um, became aware about you guys was the daily market reports or, or the newsletter. I don't know how you term it. Um, can you tell us about that? Uh, sort of uh, where does that emerge? Who produces it? Where do you get all the content from? Um, yeah. Um, so basically, we have a phenomenal guy who's in Portugal called Hugo Vols Oliveira. So shout out to you. Um, he wakes up very early, like at ridiculous hours, to source information for us every day without fail, every weekday. And basically myself, Alex, Luke, and a team of other in-house editors will take rounds to kind of polish it up, do all the marketing material behind it. But what we do is we, because we all have this kind of full-on crypto background, and are now kind of growing with the institutions. We we like to keep the Twitter side, you know, as you all know, crypto Twitter is where everyone goes to check out the charts and the banter and the gossip and all this stuff. So we, we try to keep a medium of, you know, obviously bring in Bloomberg and the institutions to show how their ideas come to surface, but we always kind of recommend looking at the Twitter OGs because those charts are magnificent. Yeah. And, you know, getting, well, I, I can't say financial advice, but what you're getting is essentially free education on charts and all these things by dogs and cats and moons. <laughs> that, that's where crypto was born. So, I mean, the daily market report started as more of an educational thing where we wanted to update everyone what happened the latest 24 hours. We give out, like, you know, what to read, what to look out for, what are the latest events. What are the latest London projects and kind of the pricing on a daily basis? And we've tried to maintain that. And I think um, I can comfortably say we do it quite well. Yeah, yeah cool. it's it's fantastic. I mean, I think we're, we're big fans of it. And um, you know, the fact that it's, it's kind of um, it's a real comfort getting it every day. I almost feel a little bit uneasy that I don't get it on a Saturday and a Sunday because the weekend is when everyone goes a little bit quiet and, and I start to think by Sunday evening, is this a, this a, a big scam? Have I lost all my money? Is this is this just a joke and I'm the I'm the idiot that's fallen for it? And then Monday morning comes, your email drops in and it's all it's all okay. We can breathe again. Um, it's, but it's, it's my it's my first thing that I read before the news, which which get, it clearly makes me seem like a complete crypto nut because. Uh, yeah, it's the first thing that I read on the sofa. Yeah, no, it is. It's fantastic. And it's, it's and anyone that's listening that um, I guess you can probably sign up anywhere in the world um, to the to the newsletter, actually. So I'd urge you guys, where can, where can people sign up to the newsletter? Um, so I know you've said we can't really shill the reflex. Oh, do that. No, you can shill the reflex. No, 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 you fine. can shill all you want. Just we don't just shill coins and projects. We just expect payment if you do that. <laughs> well, basically, for anyone that wants to get a free market report, it's lbx.com slash register. Nice. Get on it. It's really, really good. It's uh, actually the, one of the things that I'm just going to pick on before we move on to our next section is uh, the thing that you guys have said a lot, which we massively uh, appreciate, is the point around education and learning. This is the whole purpose of our podcast. This is the whole purpose of what we're trying to do is this is such a complicated space. And I know you guys are big on the education and the learning piece, whether it's the newsletter, whether it's the 
the sort of knowledge hub that you've got on your site it's it's all necessary because at the moment it is immensely complicated and it's, it takes ages to get up to speed with um so yeah aligned in that sense i'm looking at edmund and he's looking like he's about to pass out or something just looked a bit bored and was dribbling a bit um <laughs> I'm going to move us on to our next section, talking about dribbling. Uh, it's been a horrendous bear market. We like doing this with all of our guests. One of the things uh, that we like to talk about that we want to know is when you're down in the dumps, when people keep on calling you London Stock Exchange rather than London Block Exchange, LSX, uh, what do you guys do? What do you throw on the grill? What do you like to barbecue? What do you like to bry? Put another shrimp on the barbie, but don't do that because Bitlord did that. Um, what what is the thing that you like to do? Go first. Yeah, well, I mean, like uh, I, I kind of eat anything and everything, um, but I'm more of a classic burger guy, I guess. Burgers, <laughs> solid. That nothing gets your the, the mood going like a burger. How about you, Jacob? Well, from my side, I'm half Cypriot, so we oh. love anything and everything on the grill. But I think my personal favourite would be halloumi. Oh, nice. Not nice. not stereotypical at all. I like it. <laughs> what I'm expecting, by the way, is that burger recipe to, to be uh, make an appearance on your newsletter at some point. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Alex, get that on there. Yeah. All the all the herbs, all the spices. I'm all I'm all for I'm all for a new burger recipe. <laughs> it's a particular thing. So, looking ahead, guys, let's talk about. Uh, because we're going to try and sort of wrap up now in the next couple of minutes. And one of the things I think that uh, we all have a vested interest in is the future of the crypto market. What are, how do you see the next sort of six to 12 months panning out, both from a global perspective, but also uh, as we career to that drastic event at the end of March? Uh, what I'm talking about Brexit for the three listeners that we have internationally. Um, what that's when we're leaving the European Union, by the way, for those three people. Uh, what are your thoughts about the importance of crypto as a thing for the UK markets? So with Brexit, it's going to become increasingly important because we're going to want to separate ourselves from the rest of the world as pioneers, um, someone who really leads the way for blockchain and cryptocurrency. Whether that actually happens remains to be seen. Uh, in terms of the actual market itself, I do see stagnation for the next 12 months just because people... Uh, were like euphoric over the rise last year and weren't prepared. People who don't understand it got in, they bought too high, they're now really deep underwater and they're scared, they're, they're worried about their money. Any chance to get out, they will. Uh, and it doesn't help with the media constantly spreading all this FUD. Uh, so yeah, I, I see it being slow, but in the very long term, I see future, uh, cryptocurrency being really effective. It will become part of our everyday life. All the projects with actual real use case will, will exist. As long as they remain resilient, secure, and state, um, scalable, then I don't see any reason why blockchain won't become the norm. Nice, perfect. Yeah, I think we we totally agree with that actually. And it's I think it's been a tough year. It probably needed it after the overheating and the hype that was uh, that came out last year. Um, but I think if there's anything we can positive that we can take out of this year is that it's not really going anywhere it is staying um the temporary bubble has burst um but it's actually what we're seeing as a result of that is real value projects um and and you know, distributed leg ledger technology 
throughout 2019, I think should really start to um, to deliver some benefits um, for traditional firms and also some new um, disruptive firms in the space. So I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I, and one thing before we finish, actually, you did mention the word at the beginning, pioneers. Now, we've forgotten to ask you a very, very important question. And there is a huge, um, one of the most important pioneers in this space. Um, guys, are you London Block Exchange, Satoshi Nakamoto? We, we can't comment. Oh my goodness! We oh, might. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa! We've whoa, had outright don't you, don't you. denials from others, uh, but this may be. Uh, we may be a step closer here, Stig, in our in our global search to find Satoshi. If Satoshi is a Brit, then I'll eat my hat. I, I think it's Hal Finney still. I still Hal Finney and Nick Zabo. Yeah, but anyway. Um, <laughs> So, guys, just before we finish, is there anything else that you want to add um, and, and tell the listeners uh, from, from an LBX side or from a crypto side or or, or more generally? Uh, we're just going back to the, the future, the next six to 12 months in crypto. Uh, although we were focusing quite heavily on the price side, I'd, I'd like to point out to everyone that the technology side is developing really quickly. There, there's so many new developers coming into the space. Um, there's loads of layer two solutions coming out. There's loads of new blockchains coming out. Um, even if the price goes down, the technology is only getting better. So if it was worth $20,000 of Bitcoin last year and $1,000 in ETH, there's, there's no reason why it would be less in the future because it's only getting more effective at what it does best. Yeah, and, and when you we've got an episode coming up um, where we're going to really get into the economics of, of Bitcoin and uh, and money and, and where money came from. So I think we'll start talking about that soon. And, you know, price is a factor. It's not it's not the most important factor, actually. I think um, it's probably one of the least important factors um, in the entire space. Um, but it, you know, it's what draws people in into crypto. It's what draws people into blockchain. So the more people that are in here because of the price and the speculation that then stay and actually um, move on to the technology, then brilliant. I think that's uh, that's great for for crypto as a whole. Guys, it's been uh, it's been really really awesome having you all, having you along. Uh, hopefully, because you're you're in the same town, we'll meet face to face in the very near future. Uh, masses of luck with the project. Uh, we're keeping a very very close eye on it, and uh, that's it from me. So, uh, Edmund Dante. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, same for me, guys. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. <laughs>